0: This is the Savvy Parent Podcast, where lawyer and financial planning expert Shannon McNulty and her guests share tips on how to make smart legal and financial decisions for your family. On this episode of the podcast, Shannon is joined by Eric Rubel, a matrimonial lawyer with over 25 years of experience. In late 2020, Eric launched NYC Private Justice, which gives you an alternative way to resolve the financial aspect of your divorce in New York. Eric and Shannon talk about what led to the launch of his company, why this way of going to trial works so well, and how using NYC private justice can save time, money, and stress when a couple has exhausted all other options for settlement and they need a judge to render a decision about the financial aspect of divorce. Enjoy the episode.
1: So Eric, thanks so much for joining us today. We're so glad to have you here.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: So why don't you tell us about this new initiative that you founded um, called NYC Private Justice?
2: Sure. So New York City Private Justice, uh, I started it. uh, It's a company. It started approximately December of 2020. Um, It's something that I had been mulling over in my mind for about two years. Um, And and it finally came to fruition basically because of the pandemic. Uh, I saw that as an opportunity to finally launch this company. New York City Private Justice is essentially private judging. So parties and their lawyers retain my company so that they can have their financial issues in their divorce finalized through a a private trial. And that becomes necessary if one cannot get their issues heard in a timely manner before a judge. The uh, company provides both a virtual or in-person platform. The in-person platform is done through an office with um, that's large enough, um, and the virtual is through live litigation. It's a platform that is similar to Zoom, but more secure, easier to upload exhibits. It's really made so that lawyers and litigants feel like they are walking into a courtroom and they can try their case on day one, just like if you were to walk in a walk into a courtroom um, in New York. And that's what's important.
1: So uh, this is really a good way um, to expedite. So if you're getting a divorce and it's only for divorce cases, correct?
2: It's only for divorce cases and it's only financial matters because this is essentially arbitration. It's a judge, a former retired judge deciding the case and it's non-appealable so custody matters cannot be addressed in in this forum
1: okay that's i guess that's really important to know i guess in terms of that uh, that sort of bifurcation of the the custody and the financial matters can a i guess the question is can a litigant bifurcate their case can they say well, we're waiting for a trial for the custody matters to get in front of the judge. But while we're doing that, we'd like to resolve our financial matters. Is that something that's possible or you kind of just go to one or the other?
2: Oh, no, you can actually do both. You can bifurcate. Um, I think I think judges would definitely be in uh, in favor of that. And many times divorce cases are bifurcated. In fact, what happens is, the custody portion of the case, if it has to be tried, is tried before a judge. Then the finances are sent out to a referee and it's the referee who then decides the financial issues. They can decide them uh, fully or they can make a recommendation to the trial judge and then the judge um, decides it on, on based upon the recommendations. So, In New York, it's very, very common uh, for any case that's litigated for custody and finances to be bifurcated.
1: Okay. So that's interesting. So even if you have both issues, this is still might be an option for you.
2: Absolutely. Yes.
1: So what exactly made you think that um, or led you to found this company and create this this venue for litigants? This
2: is basically an outgrowth of my own experiences trying my clients' cases in New York. And when I've had financial trials that were ready for trial, we would be sent out by the judge to the referee's part. You could wait several weeks to several months before even getting scheduled to see a referee. And then it could be easily six to nine months before you start your trial. So you could potentially wait a year from when you're ready to start your trial to actually starting it, and then you weren't necessarily guaranteed day to day. You could get a day, then the court could schedule it again a month later or two months later for maybe two days. So to try your case, it could take easily a year to two years to try the case, not even to get your decision yet and not to get the divorce. So I felt there had to be a better way. And and my my thinking was private judging. And there are experienced former matrimonial judges or matrimonial attorneys who have retired, who have this wealth of knowledge and can try to be the judge for these cases and use that knowledge and their experience to expedite these trials. And with New York City private justice, From the moment the case comes into our office, you can schedule that case and it will be tried day to day, meaning Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. You're not going to be waiting months in between your trial dates. They're going to flow as long as the lawyers are available and the clients are available. We'll try the case. It gets the case done so much quicker.
1: That sounds so important because I think when people are going through a divorce, they just don't want it to keep dragging on and on and I just hear this so often of people's divorces carrying on and on and it's really makes it hard for them to kind of move on with their life and obviously this is not something anybody wants to go through and mm-hmm. so they kind of want to get it behind them as quickly as possible.
2: Absolutely. When I was a an associate and starting out in the business um many many years ago Trials were day to day and they were full days. They were starting at 930. You could go to six o'clock if the judge wanted to finish a witness. That's not possible anymore. And so it, it really has become difficult to get the parties those trials that they need. If they can't settle the case, then you need a trial. And, and that's what we provide.
1: Right, that That sounds like a really good option. Um, What is the difference between we hear when we talk about divorce, we hear about a lot of different types of approaches to divorce. So um, we've heard about mediation. We hear about collaborative divorce. What exactly where does that fall this fall on that spectrum of of different options for divorce?
2: Okay. New York City private justice is completely different than mediation or collaborative law. Mediation is when the parties work with a mediator, one person, and they come up with the solution to their divorce. They, they come up with the, the ideas and those ideas are set forth in an agreement. They take the agreements to their lawyers who make sure all the points are handled and they've, they've settled their case. Collaborative law is, it's non-litigation, but the parties have lawyers to help them settle the case. The lawyers who are involved in the, in the collaborative law do not have the ability to litigate the case should the collaboration fail. New York City private justice is not about settlement. You are have a case that needs to be tried. The judges are not going to be settling the case. They're going to hear the case. There's going to be testimony. There'll be evidence going in if the parties and their lawyers ultimately decide during the course of the trial to settle the case then they'll settle the case but our judges are not going to be involved our judges are so are there to try your case render a decision and and do that and and these are for cases that are complicated and basically once you get to new york city private justice you have exhausted or theoretically exhausted all avenues of settlement.
1: Okay. And and I think that having uh, previously clerked for a a federal judge, district court judge, and previously practiced in litigation, I know that sometimes just the trial itself, having a date for the trial and even starting the trial can force a settlement. So sometimes parties will negotiate back and forth for a very long time, but once the trial comes, it's like, okay, you need to make a decision and are you going to risk getting an adverse decision or are you going with the court or are you going, let's, you know, kind of split the difference and, and make a settlement. So I, I don't know if you see that at all in terms of um, kind of facilitating that, uh, that settlement because there is a trial date and maybe even starting the trial.
2: Oh, absolutely. That's, uh, that is, um, I've had to think about that in terms of the, um, business aspect of, of, um, New York City private justice. There are many times in my experience where a client getting on the stand, uh, for the morning and by the afternoon over lunch, a settlement has been, um, has been, has been reached. And that's because they don't really, cl- clients don't necessarily understand what a trial is how uh, anxiety um, provoking it can be for, for litigants. And so that is definitely, definitely helps. Sometimes also, especially in divorces, somebody needs to tell their story and it has to be heard by a judge. They don't necessarily need uh, a decision. They just know that they've been heard. I think one of the disadvantages of the pandemic is that litigants aren't in court anymore. And when you go for a the first time that your divorce is on and you get to see the judge, you get to see other litigants, other lawyers, and see what happens in court, it's very eye-opening for the parties. They get a, a real understanding of how much time they're going to get, what the judge is like, demeanor, um, how people act. And unfortunately, with the pandemic we don't have that going on anymore and and it'll be interesting to see its impact on divorces and how they get resolved
1: oh interesting and this is because we are currently recording this during uh hopefully the tail end i'm hoping Mm. of uh this year of pandemic Have you seen, I mean, I have heard many stories uh, that the courts are just not really accessible at this point. And unless you have something that's really, really extremely emergency uh, in terms of a divorce, that cases are just not getting heard. Has that affected kind of your, I guess, the process of starting this initiative, the NYC private justice and the demand for these services?
2: Oh, absolutely. So it was clear back in the summer of 2020 that the cases for both custody and finances, there was a huge backlog. Um, I do recall hearing that there were probably 400 cases backlogged in the special referees part, and that's the financial aspects. So those are financial trials. They could be modifications of support. They could be fee hearings, but there was a massive backlog. And in New York County, at least there were, I think, five or six special referees to retired and are not being replaced. And the budgetary constraints that we have in New York, there were 49 judges up for being approved to continue. 46 were declined. So 46 judges are no longer on the bench. That's a huge number. And then you have the special referees retiring and not being replaced. The cases have to go somewhere. And so my feeling was that this is an opportunity not only to give people the ability to get closure on their divorce, but do so pretty expeditiously.
1: So, if one party wants to move forward with this, so I think this is maybe something that um, can be an issue. You know, if you take somebody to court, they'd really have no choice but to show up in court or answer in some way. Can you do the same thing as sort of unilaterally as one party if the other party does not want to move forward in, in this uh, with the this? in this direction of resolving their divorce?
2: Unfortunately, no. Both parties have to agree to the uh, use of New York City private justice because it is binding arbitration. Essentially, you're both going in knowing that your case is gonna be heard. You're going to get a decision. That decision is going to be the basis of your divorce. It'll form the basis of the judgment of divorce. And you will not be able to appeal it. And if you agree on all those things, then you can use uh, private justice. And and I require that people actually acknowledge that in writing so that there's no confusion. And no one um, can't say that they didn't understand what services were being provided. And it's important that they understand it's not appealable. However, it may not be appealable, but the judge was hearing your case has significant matrimonial experience. And I think that is the great balancing of the non-appealability of the decision.
1: Okay. So this is really a final final decision. There's nowhere to go after this.
2: Yeah. It's pretty much like death and taxes. That's it.
1: Yeah. And I don't, I'm curious, are divorce cases is how frequent, or how common is it for those actually even to be appealed in a court?
2: It's it's pretty rare for a matrimonial case to be appealed. You have appeals. There are appellate decisions. I think you're more likely to get a custody decision appealed than you are a financial decision. Financial decisions can be quite complicated because you're dealing, if it's a full-blown financial case, you have spousal support, you have child support, distribution of assets, valuation of assets. You could have expert fees, council fees, and you're dealing with one pot or one or two incomes. The issues are all interrelated. If you change something on the distribution of assets side, you could be having a significant impact on child support or spousal support and vice versa. So they are Typically, very, very uh, integrated. The issues are integrated, and I would say that the appellate division, all four departments, are are not. They're not open generally to weighing in unless something is pretty seriously went awry. They give the trial courts a great deal of deference because of how difficult these issues are, and you know you're dealing with multiple issues. Valuation of a house, valuation of a business, retirement assets, um, it, it could be m- multiple things, credits, liabilities. So it's, it's not so easy.
1: Yeah. So it sounds like it, even if you go the means of, uh, of a court, then that's not appealing. It isn't usually a great uh, option in any event.
2: Correct. It, it, can, it takes time. You're, you're probably looking at two years before you get a decision. And it's expensive.
1: So, um, on that topic of expensive, so if you go through court, the court doesn't. I think they charge some kind of filing fee, but but it's public, so uh, we uh, presume that you can. It's it's not excessive. It, it's it's somewhat affordable. What is the cost of going through uh, this alternative forum?
2: Okay, so. The, the cost for utilizing New York City private justice is, is essentially a daily fee. What, and what that means is if you have a trial, uh, you, you and your adversary will try to predict how long the trial will take and will set a number of days for trial. If the trial is virtual, the cost is $7,500 per day included in that is the cost of the transcript. So many times if you have a trial and you need a transcript to do your post-trial briefs, you will pay the court reporter extra to have those those transcripts. Because we can live stream it virtually, it is automatically saved by the attorneys as it is occurring. So that is a cost that we incur for, on behalf of the of the clients. In addition, um, we do not charge extra for a decision. So included in that daily fee is the time it will take for the judge to write the decision and issue that decision. So which, which can be sometimes even longer to do than the actual length of the trial, but that we have factored into it. So if the, if the trial occurs in person, which we can do, the daily rate is 9,500, and that's basically taken into consideration. Um, there are many more costs involved with an in-person trial, including you know, the space and taking um, protections for the parties um, with, with PPPE, you know, that kind of stuff.
1: So Yeah, particularly now. And just to kind of give some comparison, what is the fee? It's usually like some kind of nominal filing fee for a divorce in a public court.
2: Well, you need to do that anyway. So if you're going to start, you have to start an action in New York and you have to get through discovery and you have to see a judge before you even come to New York City private justice. You must be in the court system. You are at the point of... I am, you know, the parties cannot settle the case. We are ready for a trial. At that point, that is when um, one could hire New York City private justice. So the filing fees you need anyway. It's really the difference is that we are at a daily rate to get you to the finish line. Um, and we include the cost of the transcript. Whereas if you went to court, you would have to pay the cost of those, of those transcripts and then wait for them. I mean, those aren't, you know, we're, we're doing something kind of novel. Our transcripts are available as the proceeding is occurring. If you try the case in New York County and you have a court reporter, you're probably going to wait about 20 to 30 days for each transcript. They just—they're not, not going to get going them to you quickly.
1: And also, I would—I'd would imagine that in the court, if you're if a trial is kind of starting and stopping, in non-consecutive days, then that could increase the attorney's fees as well.
2: Oh, that. absolutely. I mean, these are these. Are, there's no interruptions. No one's coming in with orders to show cause. You know, there are no conferences. There are no telephone conference calls. You don't have to wait. If if we say you start at nine thirty, you're starting at nine thirty. If you're going to finish at four forty five or five, you're going the whole time. You'll have a lunch break. That's it. Maybe the court reporter needs to take a break. There could be breaks in the morning or the afternoon, but it's uninterrupted. The judge, you have the judge's full attention, and if you have that judge's full attention day to day to day, your lawyers aren't you know preparing for trial one day going on with other cases for a month and then having to re-prepare for court, it does save uh, clients, I think, a tremendous amount of money. I know for myself as a, law- a trial lawyer, what it means to prepare and have these large breaks of time in between trial days.
1: Yeah, you have to completely re-educate oh, yourself. And absolutely. Re-educate yourself yep. Exactly what's going on. OK, so what you know, you said that this is a final decision. Um, what if one of the parties decides? Well, they don't like the decision and they're not going to comply with it. If it's not in the court, how does that happen? I mean, how how is there how is it enforced?
2: So the decision will then become the basis for the judgment of divorce, and the um, the parties and their lawyers have to submit a proposed judgment to the to the judge who's hearing the case. If someone doesn't like it, they can, they don't really have much of a choice. And so once the judge signs the judgment of divorce, those are the terms. And if someone doesn't comply, the other party is going to file applications seeking enforcement of that judgment.
1: So they could, if they don't comply, they could uh, file a, an enforcement action.
2: Absolutely. It's binding. It'll become the basis of the judgment. And they're going to have to live by it. And and you go back to court to enforce it.
1: And that would be true even if it was a judicial, a court decision, right? If Absolutely. it wasn't being complied with, you would have to go back to court to enforce that.
2: Yep. And if they didn't like it, you know, I guess they could appeal, but they'd have to go through that whole process and it could turn out the same.
1: Yeah. In, in all likelihood, it would. Most likely. Yeah. So... You know, both of us, I I practice estate planning in New York City, um, you're based in New York as well. Is this an uh, option available to people who are not in New York?
2: It's not, largely because uh, divorce is uh, regulated by the state. And so each state has its own laws regarding divorce. So, the um, and and you can only file for a divorce in a state court, you cannot file for a divorce in a federal court. So, because it is centralized with the state, it can really only be uh, we can only hear cases with jurisdiction in New York, and so they have to be New York divorces, but they can be New York divorces uh, anywhere in the state. So, we we are not. Solely limited to New York County, we can hear cases from Buffalo. We can hear cases from Rochester. We can hear cases in Syracuse, Suffolk, Staten Island, anywhere in the state.
1: Okay. And uh, do you know of any other services? And I think some of our listeners are outside of New York. Do you know of any services uh, in other states that provide a similar type of format for expediting their their divorce trial?
2: So. California has private judging, and California has private judging because it's in their state constitution. It is very different than what we are doing here in New York. The private judges in California are essentially arms of the court. They um, they can handle everything that the court does. The difference is that they charge by the hour. So it be, it can become a much more costly proceeding in California um, because essentially your judges have more of an interest in the case going on than the case being resolved. We, you know, here with New York City private justice, I was very aware of that. And so that's why I wanted the day rate. It's a day rate. That's It's the full day. We're not going to charge by the hour. And it's really up to the parties how much time they want to spend. So they can have as many witnesses or they can have as few witnesses. It's up to them. So that's the only state that I am aware of. There are organizations in New York, such as JAMS or NAMS. These are mediation services. And they do handle arbitration as well. They can do binding arbitration. The difference between New York City private justice and NAMS or JAMS is that they don't have the former matrimonial judges with the significant experience. So, so you can is a go very to
1: very specialized, form.
2: right? And so you can, they generally deal with, um, commercial matters. They're generally there for commercial matters and judges, you know, and, um, you know, doing uh, contract disputes, but they don't have the experience of 30 years doing divorce cases. And and that's what makes us different.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that's really interesting. And um, I I, I imagine that there are probably some people outside of New York who, who would like this option. So, you know, maybe you'll be expanding.
2: I hope so. (laughs) First, New York, you know, my other judge, uh, Arthur Diamond, is uh, in Nassau. So we're we're slowly getting there. I'm hoping to get up to Rochester, Albany, um, Buffalo. And, um, you know, I, I assume some judges will be retiring up there in the next year or so. And hopefully they will join the fold and we'll have a full state and then then we'll start branching out.
1: Who knows? Who knows? The sky's the limit.
2: Absolutely. <laughs> okay.
1: Well, Eric, it's been really great having you on here today. And I I think it's so helpful to anyone who may be going through divorce or contemplating divorce, that this is an option that they want to consider and maybe talk to their lawyers about.
2: Thank you so much for letting me tell you about New York City Private Justice.
0: Okay. Thanks, Eric. Thanks. Thank you again to Eric Rubel from NYC Private Justice. If you'd like more information on financial and estate planning or to join our free community, visit us at thesavvyparent.us.